Welcome to Path of a Green Witch podcast. My name is Andrea, and I am a homesteading hedge witch living close to nature on 13 beautiful acres in Massachusetts. On Path of a Green Witch podcast, I like to share information about witchcraft, herbalism, and homesteading. But in this episode, I want to share some information about a terrible situation that I am going through. Trigger warning, this is pretty disturbing, so if you don't feel that you can handle hearing about a negative situation right now, I totally understand. You probably want to skip this one. If you do stick around and listen, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I have gone back and forth on whether or not to record this, whether to actually upload it, and... The major questions that I ask myself are like, is everyone going to judge me harshly? Am I going to be censored? Will anybody care? This is such a difficult situation, but it's the truth. And I think it's important for stories like this to be heard and for situations like this not to be swept under the rug. We want to believe that we live in a free country and that our laws protect vulnerable people. The reality is that laws need to be enforced, and if they're not, what's the point? In my situation, laws are being broken. Really serious, important laws having to do with freedom and exploitation, but somehow everyone is expecting me to just stay silent because I'm supposed to be ashamed. Ashamed of my poverty and the choices that I had to make because of it, ashamed that I found myself vulnerable, found myself in a situation where I was being taken advantage of by a predatory couple. I'm supposed to be so ashamed of that that I say nothing. I'm supposed to be so ashamed of the fact that I'm a sex worker, that I never mention it, and if I do mention it, then it's somehow interpreted as though I am trying to glamorize it. It's always used in a way to demonize me and to victimize me further. This is my truth. I'm not adding to it. There are things that I have yet to mention, not because I want to keep secrets, but there is just so much to tell. If you have questions, please feel free to contact me. The easiest way to do that is right through the Anchor app. I highly recommend that you download the Anchor app. Anchor is amazing. If you have a story that you'd like to tell or information you'd like to share, or maybe you just want to entertain us, use Anchor. You can start your own podcast. It's amazing. So this is my story. Thank you so much for listening. In the last episode, I talked a little bit about negative magic and the rule of three and my view that it's okay under certain circumstances to practice negative magic to put a hex or a curse on someone or on a situation. I think that is acceptable under certain circumstances. And specifically, when someone has done harm to you, especially if they have repeatedly and willfully done harm to you, I think it is okay to seek justice in the form of some kind of punishment, curse, hex, or whatever for that person. Before I get into the article that I want to share, though, I need to make it very clear that on this podcast, we support sex workers. Sex work should be decriminalized and measures need to be taken to keep sex workers safer. Sex work is inherently more exploitative than other forms of work, and because sex work is so inherently exploitative, it cannot be used to satisfy debts. Sex workers must not be compelled 
by the courts to perform commercial sex acts in order to pay child support. That's basically what this situation is about. If people can be compelled to do sex work to pay child support, then it would be really easy for a person who's, say, already a pimp to intentionally impregnate a woman so that he can then legally collect her money. It would also be easy for an abusive partner to prove, whether true or not, that a woman is a prostitute so that she could be proven unfit, he can take custody, and then also force her to commit commercial sex acts and take the money. This is why I think it should be obvious that it should be illegal for sex work to be used to fulfill debts. And it is illegal, but somehow this is exactly what is happening to me. And the article explains it a lot better than I can, even though the article pulled information from court filings that I filed and the other parties filed as well. So I'm going to be including a link to this article. It's from a website called thirdpartymechanic.medium.com and I believe Mother Magdalene is the title of the article. So it's from Third Party Mechanic or 3PM and it was published May 10th, 2021. New Hampshire court orders child support from mother who is a prostitute, part one. In her home state of Massachusetts, she had been a sex worker. Speaking these words as a pro se litigant in the New Hampshire family court where she had filed for joint custody of her youngest child, Andrea Brooks made no pretenses. She was not holy. The father, William DeRico Jr., who had full custody of the child, lived in New Hampshire with his wife, Lisa DeRico. Andrea admitted that he had been married when their son was conceived. She also informed informed the court that at the time of her youngest son's conception, she already had four children. She was an experienced mother. Andrea is black and Hispanic, and the child's father and stepmother are white. Perhaps it would be simple to surmise it had merely been a tryst consistent with an escort's professional pitfalls. However, the narrative Andrea told the court was far darker than the surface assumptions usually backed by knowing glances, sly smirks, or offended grimaces. She described the couple, who now held her child's life in their hands as her pimps. The presiding judge in the Nashua, New Hampshire family court was Julian Tricasso, 9th Circuit, Hillsborough County Family Division. Intracasso is a registered Democrat and was nominated to the bench in 2012 by then-Governor John Lynch, also Democrat. Another judge, Michael Ryan, had administered the case when Brooks first filed it, but then recused himself. Andrea was so troubled by his handling of her case, including refusing to schedule conferences, that she felt compelled to draft a separate, detailed complaint in federal court against the family court judge, seeking to compel him to give her the opportunity to be heard. Asking for a change of venue to federal court, Andrea further argued that she was experiencing discrimination in the local court's administration of her case on the basis of not being a New Hampshire resident and being a person of color. Although she did not argue that the court was singling her out because of her involvement in illicit activity, it cannot be ruled out that the court viewed her interests as less cognizable than other mothers precisely because she traded sex. Note, the most recent court hearing in Brooks v. DeRico in the New Hampshire Family Court was scheduled for May 12, 2021. Pro se parties do not often accomplish such a feat as evicting a judge from a court action, especially right in the beginning of its administration. By now, Andrea had already shown the family court that she had the skills and tenacity to win ground in the American judicial system. In addition to Julian 
Picasso as the second assigned judge, the New Hampshire court would then surround Brooks with female court officers, including hearing officer Lauren Thorne, the court referees Alice Love and Susan Carbon. No male hegemony operated the machinery of justice here. Brooks stood before the judge, woman to woman. At first, Brooks lied, telling the court she was no longer working and had escaped the life. She wanted to make sure they had no cause to deny her petition for access to care for her young son. The manipulation was a feeble ruse. It disintegrated quickly. Okay, I have to pause reading the article here and say that's not exactly accurate. I never said that I was no longer working. In most cases in the American judicial system, if you are being accused of a crime, you are under no obligation to admit it. They are obligated to prove it. So I was giving them the opportunity to prove it. They wanted me to admit it. I did not. That's not the same as lying and saying that I'm no longer doing the thing. They wanted me to say that I was no longer working as an escort. And I don't believe I ever said that because no longer would imply that I'm admitting that I did it previously. And that's what I was not doing. I was not admitting anything. So anyway, back to the article. Thus, it is certainly not unexpected nor surprising that the court thereafter ruled that Brooks could not share custody in light of the risks attendant to her lifestyle. That part of the verdict is clean for all to accept. In fact, Brooks had advised the court that the only reason the Massachusetts Family Court, which had first considered the trio's parenting rights, originally granted William DeRico Jr. full custody was because Andrea had been hospitalized in 2012 after the father of her older children violently attacked her. When DeRico then requested full custody of their son in Massachusetts, Andrea explains she, quote, did not object because she needed help. End quote. The Massachusetts court did not terminate Andrea's parental rights and allocated her parenting time whereby, quote, visitation shall be as agreed upon by the parties, end quote. On August 25th, 2016, DeRico registered the order with the New Hampshire court, transferred jurisdiction, and applied for financial contribution from the mother. What should inspire condemnation about the integrity of the New Hampshire family court system altogether, particularly the machinations of Judge Intracasso, is the August 14th, 2017 rule ruling that Andrea, who still resided in Massachusetts, would have to pay the New Hampshire couple child support in the amount of $125 per week. Judge Intracasso's edict, based on a, quote, reasonable estimate, end quote, of Andrea's income would also assess child support arrears of $1,000. If one is to insist that custody must remain with the married couple because they are stable, why would a judge demand that a prostitute who was in circumstances where she could be violently attacked produce any money at all to the couple? The court squeezed Brooks, ordering her to use her talents to make coin or face court-ordered sanctions. We find this narrative of the New Hampshire family court important to highlight because it embodies the level of exploitation, willful blindness, and callous disregard that have gradually come to define the American judicial landscape. While the judicial networks that process our identities, fortunes, reputations, faiths, children, and elections are woven throughout the cities, towns, hamlets, and countrysides of the nation, power has devolved. In the morass, individual jurists and non-judicial court staff are unaccountable. Cases like Brooks's are legion. In 
generally do not merit attention from local media, the politically connected, or financial donors, then why New Hampshire? Why this court, Ninth Circuit Family Division? Why this judge? We had already been tracking the New Hampshire Family Court in connection with a separate case. On February 11, 2021, the Department of Justice announced that Circuit Court Judge Julie A. Intracasso, age 56, was arrested on two felony charges of falsifying physical evidence, two misdemeanor charges of tampering with public records, and a misdemeanor charge of unsworn falsification. She was caught using whiteout to tamper with court records that revealed she had been fixing a family court case. As a judge, she had been earning $165,000 per year. Okay, I'm cutting in here again to say, I want you to realize that the same judge who signed the orders that said I had to pay my son's father money based on a reasonable estimate of my prostitution income was then arrested on separate charges. So this judge, Julian Tricasso, 56 years old in February 2021, was arrested, and she had been earning $165,000 a year as a judge. She's no longer a judge. I read another article that said she was actually being fined. They wanted her to, like, pay, I think, like, $75,000 towards the investigation of her misconduct. Anyway, I'm going to jump back in and continue reading. So where I stopped, as a judge, she had been earning one. $165,000 per year. So they're giving reference here to some of the other articles. So you can see Petition to Audit the New Hampshire Judicial Conduct Committee and Courts 2021 on change.org, which you can sign and circulate. They already have over 300 signatures. You can also see their article, 3pmonline.com, new records released to download copies of relevant court records in the family court case Partello v. Campbell, connected to intracost arrest and see the arrest warrant, law enforcement affidavit, and Intracasso's handwritten confession, as well as other things. So there are links to those. They're linked within the article. I'm going to include the link to the article. And then if you're interested in getting to know more about why this judge, Julie Intracasso, I should say this former judge, why she was arrested, it has to do with the Robin Partello v. David Campbell case. So let's continue with the article. The charges against Intracasso also are tied to one parental case, Robin Partello v. David Campbell. The mother in the case claimed that Intracasso had appointed a personal friend, attorney Kathleen Sternenberg, as guardian ad litem in the case and issued biased rulings that favored Sternenberg. The New Hampshire Judicial Conduct Committee, or JCC, elevated the complaint to a formal inquiry in November 2019. According to the criminal charges, Intracasso knew she was under investigation, and in January 2020, she applied whiteout to two orders she had issued in the family's case. The whiteout obscured her decision to allow fees to the guardian in excess of the statutory cap and for the parent to use Apple Pay to expedite payment. The unsworn falsification charge dealt with a letter Intracasso submitted to the JCC in April 2020, wherein she denied applying the whiteout. For an additional six months thereafter, however, the judge remained fully compensated by the state court. On the eve of the JCC's scheduled hearing, Intracasso entered a negotiated settlement, relinquishing her official position and avoiding a public airing of the details in the case. However, what the press has yet to report is that the JCC discovered during its investigation that Intracasso and Sternenberg had partnered in the administration of an additional eight 
other families' cases over the course of five years, although the attorney was expressly listed on the judge's mandatory recusal list. As these families now know, all along, Sternenberger was actually the godmother to one of the judge's children. Nevertheless, the prosecutors have not, as of yet, levied any charges against the former judge for deceiving the families, concealing the information on the recusal list, or fraudulently procuring government appointments for her personal friend. The only charges relate to the judge's process crimes. In fact, Sternenberg remains an active guardian in the same New Hampshire courthouse. Certainly, we have no inclining that when we decided to review some of Intracostal's prior cases, we would spot a scenario where a U.S. court would facilitate human trafficking by ordering a sex worker with four older children to also financially support her youngest child who did not reside with her or in her state by dipping into the pocket of her gainful employment. According to court records authorized by Intracaso, Lauren Thorne performed an income estimate using the mother's sex work as basis for the resulting $500 debt created by judicial mandate. Judge Intracaso leveraged her power to underwrite the continuing exploitation of a mother and to deepen its hold on Brooks. Brooks states, Quote, instead of following the law, Julian Tricasso signed unlawful orders that deprived me of my parental rights and compelled me to commit commercial sex acts for William DeRico's benefit. I never met Judge Tricasso, but she unfortunately signed the unlawful orders that Alice Love and Lauren Thorne recommended, end quote. Without laying eyes on Brooks, Intracaso compelled her to continue prostitution to satisfy judicial profiteering. If one is thinking that the judge may have well been unwitting, do not be fooled. By the time Intracaso had replaced Judge Ryan, the court record was replete with details about Brooks's history, especially after she had filed her separate federal court action against Judge Ryan, leading to his recusal. There can be no doubt the New Hampshire Family Court knew the costs exacted. Regardless, under law, there is a presumption that a judge who signs an order has fully apprised herself of all relevant facts to be gleaned from the record, whether she performed due diligence or not. Indeed, according to Brooks, Intracaso's order expressly advised that Andrea, quote, was not to work during any of her parenting time, end quote, placing the verb in quotes. They put the word work in quotes. Andrea deduced that the judge's instructions, quote, implied that I was supposed to work when my son was not with me, end quote. It would be hard to believe that any judge administering an action would not, at minimum, have exposure to offline conversations with court staff about the prostitute who sought full custody. She knew what she did. Andrea began her witness statement for federal court by recounting that she started working in the sex trade in 2013 via invitations from online ads. That same year, she had lost her housing subsidy. She did not say why. She became home Andrea described, quote, out of desperation, I chose to perform commercial sex acts to support myself. I started working as an escort prostitute in 2013 because I had no savings, I had no job, and then I had nowhere to live. I used Backpage.com to post escort ads. Backpage.com was a well-known website that was shut down in 2018 because of human trafficking, end quote. We know from her filings that the child's father was introduced into her life before she landed on Backpage.com. She informed the New Hampshire Hampshire Family Court, quote, William DeRico Jr. has a history of being abusive towards me. I had
had an order of protection in 2011 out of Massachusetts. There was an order of protection issued in Massachusetts in 2019 and extended again in 2020. Andrea then clearly articulates, he knew, quote, William DeRico knew about my escort ads. He stalked me online to find out when I was working because he wanted me to give him the money that I made from sex work. I gave him some of the money. He wanted more, end quote. A long-term sexual relationship with a man who was married often leaves people surmising that the wife was cuckolded by unrequited adulterers. Not in this case. According to Andrea, Lisa DeRico introduced me to her husband in 2009 because she wanted to exploit me sexually. In 2009, Lisa DeRico picked me up in Massachusetts and took me to the home she shares with her husband, William DeRico, in New Hampshire. When this was happening, I did not realize that Lisa DeRico and William DeRico intended to exploit me. Lisa DeRico wanted to reward her husband, William DeRico, for being kind to her while she was recovering after a motorcycle crash. Lisa broke her leg in the motorcycle crash and William was nice to her, so Lisa wanted to reward him with deviant group sex. In part one, we have introduced the characters and what we learned from the case records about the manner by which the New Hampshire Family Court prioritized the flow of money over the value of individual lives. More to come shortly. Okay, this is my story and I have a lot more that I want to say about it, but I feel that the article did a really good job of laying out the facts and giving the background and talking about how they even came across my story. Like they said, most of the time something like this would just simply be swept under the rug. It would not get any attention from media or from anybody, but because this judge was arrested, they happened upon my case because the judge was arrested and I have filed cases against New Hampshire Family Court in federal court twice now and I don't intend to stop. I am a pro se litigant. That means that I don't have legal representation. I am pro se for myself. I'm doing this all myself. I'm convening with the ancestors and I'm using Google. And I have been wishing bad on the people who've been exploiting me. And I think it's really interesting that that judge was arrested. 